skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. Peter went to the store and got milk and eggs and penis, and he picked it out of the freezer. Peter is a pedophile. <laughs> Peter picked a pickled penis. <laughs> Doing your vocal warm-ups here, here with uh, with Django Phillips. I feel warmed up. This is the uh, the six 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 special Django Phillips because, uh, like I predicted on on last episode with the Slenderman special, we uh, I, I I I realized that we were about to approach your fourth episode, and in between those episodes have been six other episodes each time. So we are now at six six six, the number of the beast. Spooky. I'm we- I'm wearing a shirt today that says six 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 two. Like in in prep in that. preparation, I you know it's I eat, sleep, drink, fuck, think like the beast. Yeah. So, uh, we we're here. This is lots of pasta with Captain Death and Django Phillips. That's good. I like that. I like that. Do you do your thing? Oh, Django. <laughs> I, I love I love when people bring character and gimmick to the table. It's, it just creates a good you experience. Gotta get like a four button soundboard, and like one of them will be Django, and then one of them will just be. Not until we have a budget, <laughs> you know. Like even if it could just be a plug-in on my computer, that's something I'm not gonna commit to <laughs> until I'm getting paid for this, which will be never. Never, never, never. We're doing this for fun. We're not doing this for the money, but if money came pro in, boners. I wouldn't. Have. We're all pro boners on this, on lots of pasta. It's pro like boners. We're pro boners. God damn it. That's great. That's something uh, Judge Michael O'Bonin would approve of. <laughs> I think, what was his actual name? Do you remember? Uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> It was ju- it was Michael Wieners. No, no, no. It was it was it was Bonin, and you said Boner. Oh, was that? It? Okay, so he's Judge Bonin on the week weekdays. <laughs> but Boner when what he's hot, you know. Ooh, it's a hot Boner. So we're we're talking about what we're talking about right now is the fact that. We just got done watching the HBO special, as promised from from the last week's Slenderman special. Which this this information, none of the information we watched was was relevant to the Slenderman special. Really, this no. is it was a um, it was an example of how far this mythos, this this uh, this idea can go, and how and how it affects people. So I actually think we are a little bit more learned of what the world is like with slender man but i think you know we did the we didn't need to watch that before we did the special i think that it's it's almost better that we watched it fresh off the heels of doing the slender man special yeah. like a week and a half ago yeah there's no there's no added information about the slender man mythos it's that it, if you know the case it's those two girls who stabbed that other girl in the woods in 2014 because they, they thought slender man made them do it so it was just like a real life example of how fucked up some kids can get you know i've i've always i've i've been i've been in in parts and times of my weakest moments of paranoia like i've explained in other episodes uh i i have imagined myself in situations where i think something either supernatural or or eerie is going on oh yeah and i get i get into bouts sometimes where like i'm 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 famously avoiding like the front of my house because it all just faces forests yeah. you know like shit like that so like it's not hard for me to believe that kids specific specifically a schizophrenic kid which is what i we didn't know about going into this yeah. into this uh documentary again it's called uh it, it's on hbo uh, beware the Sunderman, and it's and it's all taken uh, as a non-fictional documentary approach. What we were laughing about, though, <laughs> was recutting the documentary and putting Sunderman in the back of every scene, even though <laughs> I think it would be fun. It's such a shitty thing to do, but it would be amazing. But I think even the parents would be like those assholes. 
everyone, everyone be like, you guys are, are heartless. <laughs> like, like the girl got stabbed. And you, <laughs> and you know what my answer to that is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. These families were decimated. And I, you know. <laughs> That's a good segue. Because we both laugh back on the couch and then you go back. Yeah, these families were decimated. <laughs> no, it's it's true though. Like I, okay, so for I would say for the, I, I imagine, yeah, that that was almost like two hours long. Yeah, it was a good documentary. It was it was, it was a good documentary. Yeah. I actually was reminded of uh, How to Make a Murderer, which was on Netflix. Very very powerful shit that goes on within the legal system and and you know young young people caught up in its fucking tentacles. Um, Sunderman. <laughs> not a government um but uh you know this this fucking movie i would say like halfway through it just turned in on the parents and it was just all about the families and from that point forward i actually felt like shit but for the first 50 percent, for the first 50 percent, we were actually laughing because the way these i was laughing i shouldn't put all of the i know bu- we were both laughing on. for the first 50 you were laughing at someone's name being close to boner <laughs> i was laughing at the fact that that the that the little girl who did the stabbing was like oh i know no one can see him <laughs> you know yeah shit like she, that. she like, was yeah like that's what i was laughing at i was like fuck <laughs> this, <laughs> this is great and then um you know then the idea of putting slender man in the back of every scene or you know uh, uh just just uh changing the entire ending of the court decision that they talk about and making filming our own ending like they did where it just shows shots of like the forest and then and then the girls were never seen from again (laughs) i think think that's the ending they were looking for that really would have clinched viewers you know but but ultimately no they're in jail they're in jail and it's like and in this one the one who did the stir the one the one who did the stabbing is i imagine in a mental facility yeah and then the other one was in uh the other one got put in um juvie until the age of 18 um but holy shit you know got heavy i would agree i would agree with captain death i think if you're watching this with friends and you just want to have a good time you can watch the first half of the documentary and then the minute you see the dad who has not talked off (laughs) <laughs> the minute you see the minute you see the dad who literally hasn't spoken the entire first fifty percent because I imagine he was not ready to. Yeah. The minute he comes on the screen is the time to get turn your off. your heartstrungs plucked, my friend. Or turn it the fuck off. Because it hurts <laughs> it hurts to watch this guy who has yeah. had who who gave his daughter, you know, he has to feel genetically responsible for the passing on of yeah. DNA and that's and that's something I know like my dad has felt like knowing that both me and my brother are like bipolar um and and you know like I can only imagine like what the his daughter is schizophrenic he doesn't know daughter does something like this finally it's obvious and right. like his heart breaks on screen and it just hurts yeah it's horrible and it just fucking hurts and from that point onward it's not fun anymore it's a good movie though <laughs> this is very good. It was a good watch. It was, it was a good watch. It was a good watch. You just gotta go in prepared. That's all. So I think, yeah, that's that's enough. That's enough of the Slender Man. We just wanted to touch on it. I also Slender. I also made uh, Django Phillips watch uh, Proxy, which was my I, I mentioned it on the Slender Man special, but it was my favorite film rendition yeah. of uh, Slender Man that exists on on YouTube. That's that pornographic um, Slender Man movie. I thought it was weird to do it without clothes, and I also thought it was weird that it's still out on YouTube, um, because there's a lot of a very a lot of tentacles going in a lot of holes. Really explicit. Um, I also have questions about why that's your favorite Slenderman movie, but overall, not bad. Proxy on YouTube. So uh, okay, seg. We're just seg. You know, you know why? Because I'm riding the segway. (laughs) So we. (laughs) So we're gonna we're gonna hop into. Man, we haven't even we haven't even talked about it yet. What are we hopping into Ooh. today? This is a this might be a fun one. I I skimmed this one because I wasn't sure. I found this on Reddit No Sleep. It's in the way back of Reddit No Sleep. It's called Uncle Gary's Family Fun Zone. But because one of my friends likes to call himself Uncle Jerry in like a drunk accent and just roll around on the floor, part of me. 
Uh, that person is Terry the Tickler, by the way. So, okay. so it's hard. It's hard for me to not be like, "Hey, Uncle Jerry." <laughs> so I might, I might sub out the story and call it Uncle Jerry instead of Uncle I, Gary. I think we gotta go with it. You know, I think we because gotta... it's almost too perfect. Yeah, you know, it's there. It's there for us. So this is Uncle Uncle Jerry's. <laughs> hey, Uncle! I can see him saying it, and and I no no no, you don't have to. Okay. That's fine. Uh, let him do it from where he's at when he's listening to this, and no other times. So <laughs> I don't know how that came to be. I don't know where it came from, but at just some point in time when we were in high school, whenever he would get drunk, he would just be like, "Hey, Uncle Jerry!" I don't know if it's like a thing that happened. I don't know. Maybe he has some trauma in his past. Maybe he has an Uncle Jerry that did him wrong. You know, I I, I like this. I like doing this because <laughs> they listen to these episodes. Like, I know I know we haven't gotten to the episodes where all that we talk about is Frowns McBoohoo and yep. his like obsession with penis. But I but I but I do want on other episodes for people <laughs> for people to reference the other people on this yeah. show so that it gives them more reasons to not want to do this with us. It's a fun cast. <laughs> it's, well it's all it's all of our friends. Yeah. So I mean it's like, you know, we're gonna piss off one of them eventually. It's probably gonna be me. So <laughs> this is Uncle Jerry Uncle Jerry's Family Fun Zone from Reddit No Sleep. I didn't know Will could draw, I remember thinking as my friend's hand quickly moved across the page. And then I looked more closely at Will's impromptu sketch, and I immediately regretted it. I tried to unsee it. I shifted my attention to other things around me, anything at all that wasn't ink on the page. The blur of Will's hand, the beads of sweat gathering at his temples, a gentle autumn breeze creeping through the crack of the window. Don't look at the page, just don't look at it. But I knew I had to, so I looked... And it was worse than I expected. Much worse. And he was drawn the dick butt guy. <laughs> <laughs> he, read, he read Russian Sleep Experiment, and he was like, that's funny. Oh, the dick butt. Will had sketched a near carbon copy of those wartime Uncle Sam posters, except not quite. The suit was there. Bow tie, check. But no Uncle Sam head. The Uncle Sam body had the head of a goat. The animal flashed a welcoming, toothy smile. Hail Satan! <laughs> this is the right episode for that. A hoof pointed at me, nearly coming right out of the page. But it didn't want me to join the U.S. Army. No, this goat-headed creature had something else in mind. I want your kids. <laughs> this is exactly the voice I imagined. Because I was going to creep in after you did a booming, like, sc- scary voice. I was going to be like, yeah, 666 episode of The Beast. and and But yeah... Yeah. I want your cats. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Give me your cats. Under that declaration, in slightly smaller letters, it read, At Uncle Jerry's Family Fun Zone, opening soon. <laughs> the best poster ever. I would go there. I want your cats. That's a good cats. tagline. Yeah, it was, it was Chuck E. Cheese's for <laughs> a whole ten minutes. <laughs> I'd never heard of Uncle Jerry's Family Fun Zone before yesterday. The place, I quickly learned, played host to a significant moment in Will's childhood, and although I had been good friends with him for 15 years, he'd never told me the story. But today, he opened up. I wasn't trying to reopen any wounds from his past, I just wanted him to tell me a story. Any story. I've been listening to a lot of NPR. NPR! Shout out! And being inspired by the storytelling segments and slices of American life, I purchased some professional recording equipment and set up a makeshift studio in my house. My goal was to capture and archive the stories of my friends, relatives, really anyone who had something to say. Call it boredom. I was a widower with a seven-year-old son. Besides doting on the kid, I needed something productive to fill the time. My recording area was cozy. Just a couple microphones, a small table, a few chairs. I'd sit a few feet away from my interview subjects. The intimacy would induce real honesty and emotion. Just, you know, I would say unlike us, which is... Smushed together on a love seat. <laughs> but it's lovingly smushed. That's why they call it the love seat. <laughs> that was the plan. And it worked a little too well. A little too well. <laughs> I never thought. I fucked Will. <laughs> <laughs> End of the story. That's the last line. I'm Uncle Jerry and I fucked this kid. <laughs> I never thought my storytelling experiments would go so wrong so quickly. And it wasn't just Will's story and his sketch of the Uncle Sam human-goat hybrid thing. 
Before I interviewed Will, I'd heard another version of Will's events from the other person involved in the family fun zone incident, Will's wife and my good friend Caroline. Caroline and I dated for a little while in college, a stretch of time we now joked occurred in a parallel universe. Now him fucking Will makes more sense. Right? Doesn't it, though? You fucked her. They're all fucking I fuck you. We were never supposed to happen, we decided. Instead, there was some sort of cosmic hiccup and different universes intersected for the briefest of times. Our relationship was over before it started. Caroline then began dating Will. The two lived happily ever after, and the three of us have been close ever since. Caroline and Will's history predated our collective existence in college. The two went to high school together. But I never knew exactly what they'd experienced as classmates and friends. Not until I set up my little recording studio. I interviewed Caroline first, and Will's interview occurred the following day. Both of my friends requested I not tell the other about the contents of their respective interviews. I'm certainly not planning on it. Both interviews were long and free-ranging. I'll just describe the relevant portions of their stories, the stuff about relationships and about Uncle Jerry's family fun zone. It's important that these stories be shared in some form. Excerpt of Caroline interview. So how did you and Will meet? We went to the same schools growing up. The whole story? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well! <laughs> but we weren't friends or anything like that. You know how you kind of know everyone you go to school with? But most people are just on the periphery. That was Will. Always there, but not really. We ran with different circles. You can't pinpoint the moment you actually met for the first time? Well, I would say ever since you and I broke up, I just hopped right on that. Caroline, I still love you. (laughs) Yeah, you do. I can't. I can't remember the first meaningful interaction we had, though. I was writing for the school paper, and God, I can't believe I actually wrote for the paper because I was just a terrible, just horrible writer. And I was researching a story. It was a legend in our town. Something all the kids talked about, but no one could prove. Did you have any of those? I think so. I'd have to think about it, but I'm sure I had some. You wanna fuck me, don't (laughs) 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 This interview is going south! (laughs) Yeah, so you know what I'm talking about? One of those... Oh, my brother's friend's mechanic had this experience type thing. It was pretty famous growing up where we did kind of a spook story to scare kids from staying out late at night or running around doing irresponsible things like finger banging each other's assholes it was this place called uncle jerry's family fun zone (laughs) gosh i haven't thought about that place in years uncle jerry's family fun zone just saying it out loud sounds so weird right just completely and utterly made up And when we got older, most of us thought that it was made up, because it was just a silly and stupid legend. So of course it would have a ridiculous name. What was the legend? (laughs) It's been so long, but from what I remember, it was a children's play zone type place that existed in the late 70s or early 80s. No one could pinpoint it, but the story was this guy, Jerry something, but everyone called him... Uncle Jerry inherited a piece of land out in the woods from his grandfather. He took all of his money and turned it into the fun zone. You know, slides, games, trampolines, blowjobs in the bathroom stalls for less than five dollars. Kind of like an indoor rec type place, but all barnyard themed. So the place looked like a red and white barn with a silo, but inside was all a lot of this kid's stuff. So, so what are you doing after this interview? You. Oh, Django. <laughs> <laughs> he built this out in the woods? That's what everyone said. But the messed up part was what happened there. Apparently, like 30-some years ago, a kid slid down the slide and just vanished into the ball pit. Like, there was no trace of him. I think he was only four, maybe five. I can't remember for sure. Anyway, they emptied the ball pit and everything. The only thing at the bottom was a trap door and a crawl space that led nowhere. It was just dead-ended. No one knew why it was there, but yeah. The kid vanished. Town freaked. Jerry split, and the place was shut down. 
And that really happened. Every kid in town believed it. The story was that it was some sort of hellhole that sucked down small children, that it needed to be fed. Like it swallowed up that kid, and if anyone went near the place, it would swallow you up too. Don't explore too far from home, or stumble across Uncle Jerry's. But you get past middle school, and you think it's all bullshit? Like that game, what is it, Silent Hill 3? Silent Hill 4? Actually, all of them. This is fucking dog endings. Fucking bullshit. <laughs> Did you remember that song? Siren here, I still know every fucking word. You know every word you every always word. have. Yeah. You would fucking scream that in this basement. <laughs> <laughs> Even during points of like heavy rain, I was just like, shut the fuck up! <laughs> and then you'd go back to Jason. <laughs> Was it bullshit? You said you were writing a story about it for the newspaper, and you met Will? Yeah, so I decided to write about Uncle Jerry's, and Will heard about it. He joined the newspaper club because he wanted to help. (laughs) (laughs) I think he just wanted to spend time with me, but he helped me with the- I was gonna say, and with the girls. And by girls, I mean my nipples. (laughs) But he helped me with my research. We talked to people, looked at old newspapers, spent a lot of time in those creepy library stacks. That's where Will held my hand for the first time. God, we were so young. I feel like she's like rubbing it in his face because they used and to. And then I and then I just sipped down his pants and just right there, just fucking blew him, right next to Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> Did you find anything? Nothing. There's no record of the place. We even tried the police department. They had nothing. Did they know what you were talking about? Oh, yeah. Everyone had heard of Uncle Jerry's. And everyone was really nice about helping us, but nothing factual existed. My article was going terribly. It was all dead ends. Was that what you expected? I don't know what I expected. I just thought it would be a cool article. So I had a lot of interviews of people telling the stories, and I was going to write this oral history type oh! article. Oral history. <laughs> Ooh. But then God. I, I haven't yet. No, I got it. Okay. Right. Oral. <laughs> but then, God, I haven't thought about this in years. Will came to me. He said he knew where the fun zone was. He said he had directions. And part of me just thought... As Django Phillips sits here just visually directing an airplane towards his crotch with his hands. To a place that didn't exist? Will said that it did. It was out in the woods, down some roads that weren't on the maps. How did he... How did he get those directions? It's been so long. I honestly can't remember. Did they fall out of some ancient book at the library? I think that's what happened, but he had them. Did you go there? I've never told anyone no one. can't believe I'm telling you right now. Will and I haven't talked about it since it happened. Wow. Really? No, it's fine. We don't have to keep going. No, no, it's fine. No, it's just... seriously, Caroline. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze you or ruin your marriage by making you dredge up terrible memories, your dumb fucking marriage with your stupid fucking boyfriend. It's not what I'm trying to do. It's okay. I want you to know. I want you to know. It wasn't supposed to be there. It just wasn't. What happened was Will was going to go there first to make sure it was safe, and I'd meet him there later on. And I did. I followed the directions perfectly. Down all these forgotten dirt roads that used to be real roads. Right turn at the rock the size of a Volkswagen. Go three quarters of a mile and take a left at the pine tree with a downed limb. Stuff like that. All landmark stuff. But the directions were perfect. I drove what felt like forever down this bumpy road. And it just ended. Nowhere else to go. And there was Will, standing at the side of the road next to his car, hands jammed in his pockets. And he had this look in his eyes. He just looked different. It's almost like after that night, there were two Wills. The first Will, who had worked on the story, helped me research and held my hand in the library. He was so sweet. Just so shy, tender, innocent. But after that night, he changed forever, like he never looked at me the same way again. We've been married now for nine years, and together since, 
junior year of college, so 13 years. And he's never looked at me the way he looked at me in the basement of that library back in the high school. It was that night at the fun zone that changed him. I know. It was that night. Carolyn. Have you ever thought about us? Like when our parallel universe had fully intersected forever with the real one when we were together? I haven't. Look, I, I think we should stop recording. Please don't. It's just me and Will, nine years, no kids, no babies. And he just doesn't look at me like he's supposed to. He's supposed to give me a baby. If you can give me a baby. <laughs> give me your seed! <laughs> for Saiyan! <laughs> Not for Uncle Jerry. And we're supposed to be living this love story, but something went wrong and it all started that night. What happened? Uh, on that night, I mean. I pulled off to the side of the road, the dirt road, that no one had driven on in probably decades. And like I said, Will just seemed different. I asked him if he'd found it, and he said that it was there. Uncle Jerry's family fun zone was there. Will grabbed two flashlights from his car and followed up the path through some brush. Then it kind of emerged before us, nestled in the trees, the barn, the silo, everything. It was so strange. It was almost like it materialized, if that makes sense. It was dark, so yeah, I I know what you mean. But there was this picket fence around the place, and each board was painted either yellow or green or light purple, and it held up better than it should have. The paint should have completely peeled off, or maybe the whole thing should have fallen down, but it was in good shape. Did you go inside? I mean, we came all that way, right? The main entrance was this huge wooden double door, probably 15 feet high, and above it was the sign, Uncle Jerry's Family Fun Zone, the picture of a cartoon farmer with a piece of straw hanging from his mouth. And the sign had been vandalized, someone had spray-painted X's over the farmer's eyes, and nearly every letter had been scribbled out except for fun, but the F was turned into an R, and an exclamation point was added, so it just said, run. So we weren't the first people that had been there, and I remember thinking, I don't know if this makes me feel better or worse. Who went in first? Will did. He pushed open the door, and it creaked the whole time. I was nervous someone would hear it, but we were out in the middle of nowhere, you know? So that was kind of dumb. Will raised his flashlight and jumped backwards into me, where we were staring at this giant goat statue made out of fiberglass. It had to have been seven feet tall. It was standing on its hind legs with its other front legs reaching out like it was hugging something invisible. I guess it was a photo op, you know. Stand inside it, take your picture. And they were everywhere. What was everywhere? Fiberglass farm animals. Goats, sheep, cows, pigs. All standing on two legs, all of their front legs extended. They were scattered around the whole place, almost like soldiers keeping watch. Most of them were covered with some black soot substance. I ran my hand across one of the sheep. The soot was probably a half inch thick. I still remember it trickling through my fingers. It was wet, almost gooey. I honestly don't know what it was. What else was inside? Slides. They were everywhere. Slides, jungle gyms, swinging bridges, basketball court. We crept around for I don't know how long, just not believing it was real. It was just so dark and utterly silent. We got turned around so many times, it was like we were going deeper and deeper, and I know this doesn't make sense, but it felt like we walked longer than we should have. Like the place was bigger on the inside than it looked on the outside. At one point, I remember looking back at Will and saying, it's like a maze in here. And right at that moment, we almost ran into a sign that said, Uncle Jerry's Amazing Cornstalk Maze. We were right at the entrance to a maze, but it wasn't made out of corn. The walls were wooden with corn stalks painted on them. Mm, there were no way we were going in there, not a chance. Did you find the ball pit? We did. It was at the bottom of the tallest and widest slide in the whole place, right in the center of the barn. And the pit was just massive, had to have been 40 feet wide and maybe 6 feet deep, but it was empty, no plastic balls, just a giant, barren pit. And there was a ladder going down into it, and From where we were standing, we saw the hatch. Will looked at me, and he just kind of shrugged. He said, this is why we're here, right? We climbed down, and 
As we walked towards the hatch, our feet echoed, but it was a different kind of echo, like it died quickly. Too quickly. Almost like there was something sucking away the noise. Can't believe you guys did this. I guess it was adrenaline. Our flashlights were directly on the hatch, and it had one of those round steel rings, no lock. We stared at it for a while without saying anything, almost like we were expecting it to start pulsating or to pop open. But we wanted to know what was inside. Had to know. So we decided to do it together. We grabbed the steel ring with both hands and pulled it up. I thought it'd be greeted by the bones of that dead kid, but there was only the smell that rushed us. It was very cold and crisp, and with a tiny whiff of sulfur. Will hopped right in, and I reluctantly followed. The stories were all true. It was a crawl space to nowhere. We crouched down and crawled about twenty feet, and the tunnel just ended. Nothing but a smooth, steel wall. We ran our hands across it. Maybe we'd find a secret handle or trigger or button or something, but there was nothing. And then we heard the noises from above. Holy God. Something had jumped into the pit because the first thing we heard was that single, reverberating thud. It was unmistakable, and then the footsteps directly above us walking toward the hatch. We killed our flashlights and pressed our backs into the steel. Will put his arm around me and covered my mouth, and I did the same to him. My legs started trembling and bouncing on the floor, and Will grabbed it, steadying it. We listened as the floor steps got closer to the hatch, and then they just stopped. And I wanted to look down the tunnel I did, but I didn't want whatever was there to see the wet in my eyes, because I was terrified it would give me away. But I felt its presence across the tunnel. I knew it was there. I felt it leaning down and staring at us. I'm sure about that. I even heard it breathing softly. Did he say anything? No, it just watched us for a while. And it never opened my eyes. And the next thing I remember is the hatch slamming shut and both Will and I jumping and hitting our heads on the crawlspace ceiling. We stayed there silent for it. It had to have been an hour. We eventually worked up the courage to crawl to the other end in pitch black, and I was just praying that this thing, or person, or whatever wasn't inside this crawl space with us. We were too scared to even turn on our flashlights. Every inch we crawled, I thought, this is it. I'm gonna reach out and feel something warm and snarling. But we made it to the end, and we slowly raised the hatch. Thank God it hadn't locked us inside. We climbed out, we just ran. I don't even remember my legs moving beneath me. I remember it being, I was in the crawl space, now I'm outside. Now I'm at the car, just like that, we were safe. Did you tell anyone about this? Did you write that article? Will followed me to the house. We promised each other to never talk about it ever again, we were done. No article, nothing. Why not? I think we stumbled across something we were never meant to see. And, and something knew we were there. And I think it let us off with a warning. We didn't want to make it mad. We were given a second chance. You, you keep calling it it. Is there a reason for that? Just a hunch. Just the sound it makes when we walked. The vibe it gave off. It didn't feel human. I honestly can't believe you haven't talked about this since high school. You or Will haven't brought it up. Not once. Will is... I love Will, but it changed him. It changed me. How long has it been since Grace died? Fifteen months. And you two didn't have secrets or things you didn't talk about? We talked about everything. At least for my part. And I'm sure she wasn't keeping anything from me. What's that like? To have a marriage like that and a child to love? I think what we had was rare. And Tyler is, is my world. He's my everything. Do you ever think? I turned off the recording. Caroline was traveling down a road that I had no interest in going. This is gross. <laughs> this is gonna, I was going to say the lonely road, the it's, only road that I've ever known, which is like down to his crotch. Yeah, it's she's right here. She's painting a road. It's the uh, he he did that thing where he uh, where he shaves his like pubes in like that down arrow. Yeah, the treasure. It's a treasure trail, but it goes into but it goes into the arrow. Yeah, that's it. Car- this is Dick. Caroline's family phones up. That's still Uncle Jerry's. <laughs> Uncle Jerry's phones up. She takes off her mask. She's Uncle Jerry. <laughs> Uncle Jerry. <laughs> Fuck. 
Not again. <laughs> she left shortly thereafter, making me promise not to share anything with Will. I gave her my word. At one point, I, I dropped the digital recording of her interview in the trash icon and hovered over the empty button for a few seconds. But I couldn't do it. I dragged it back to a folder on my desktop. Will came by the next day for his interview. It began plainly enough. The first 20 minutes focused on his grade school years, his baseball playing days in college, his love of 80s action movies. Nothing relevatory, nothing deep. That quickly changed. The interview direction veered towards love and marriage. I tried to avoid it, but it came up organically. Will hesitated, contemplating. I'd hope we detour right around it. But he looked me sharply in the eyes and said, Have you ever heard of Uncle Jerry's family fun zone? I lied, and I told him that I hadn't. He grabbed a sheet of paper from my desk and sketched out the Uncle Sam-type flyer for that cursed children's fun zone. That's where this interview kicks in. I was sitting in class, I think it was Spanish, and I look over, and this beautiful girl in the row next to me is furiously scribbling in her notebook. And she's drawing this. Will holds up the sheet of paper. I can't explain it, but I was drawn to it. There was something about it, so I stopped her after class, and I, and I asked her, what's Uncle Jerry's family fun zone? Because I'd never heard of the damn place. Was it a place in town? That's the thing. It apparently was some kid's play area type place in the 1970s, and some little kid drowned in the ball pit, if that makes sense. Caroline told me the whole story, saying it was the most famous legend in town, and she was writing a newspaper story about it, but I, I'd never heard of it. I asked all my friends, my parents, teachers, and I always got the same response. What are you talking about? And that made me more curious. Is this beautiful girl putting me on? Or does she have a wild imagination? Because according to Caroline, this legend was a famous, was as famous as Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster or whatever. Are you sure you weren't asking the right people? Google it. I'm sorry. I was exhaling the marijuana breath. <laughs> Google it! Google Uncle Jerry! Google. I Google Uncle Jerry constantly. You'll find absolutely zero about Uncle Jerry's family fun zone. And if a legend is that famous, wouldn't it have some presence on the internet nowadays? Anything at all, zero results. That's pretty incredible. And back then, it wasn't just people I knew. I joined the newspaper club, mainly out of this incredible fascination to find more about this girl and why she was obsessed with the legend that didn't exist. And we interviewed dozens of people for that story. Historians, cops, librarians, we got a lot of strange looks. No one had ever heard of Uncle Jerry's, which only made me more curious. Did you guys get together? I, I know you started dating in college. I didn't know you had a history. Not really. I mean, almost. Caroline had this pull on me that was hard to explain. We weren't spending a lot of time together, and she was gorgeous and funny and motivated. Man, just motivated to find out more about Uncle Jerry's place. I liked it. Even when I thought she was maybe a little crazy, I liked it. But she wasn't crazy. So it was real? Here's the thing. We had no clues or leads, and I was just hoping she'd give up. You know, drop the whole thing and we can start dating and doing normal teenage things or whatever. But one night, and shit, I haven't thought about this in forever, I was up late cramming for a test, and I see this bundled up old guy walking down the street, just kind of putzing along. And the guy looks like he's 200 years old, and he stops at the end of my driveway, reaches into his overcoat, pulls something out, and slips it into my mailbox. And I was like, what the hell is this? I stand up, and he snaps his head and looks right at me. It was freaky, just freaky. I dive down on the floor and don't have the balls to look outside for another 10 minutes. By that point, he was gone. What did he put in the mailbox? I found out in the morning. Those directions. Scribbled on a napkin, weird-ass directions, like drive down this dirt road and look for the tallest tree, then turn right type directions. I immediately knew it had something to do with Uncle Jerry's. I just knew it. Did you tell Caroline? Here's the thing. I... And this will sound terrible, and I can't believe I'm telling someone, but here's what happened. This Uncle Jerry's thing had been going on for weeks. And I know I said I liked the fact that Caroline was obsessive over it, but this, but things turned weird quick. 
She kept coming over to my house to hang out, but she didn't seem too interested in me. She was more interested in my brother, who was two at the time. And God, it's, it's hard to explain. It, it wasn't like a normal, I like playing with your little brother thing. It was creepy. The way she looked at him, it was almost like she needed him for something. That she was going to snatch him. Like, we'd come home one day and David would be gone and it was because Caroline took him. Wow. I, I... I don't expect you to understand any of this. It doesn't make any sense, but I felt it. I'm telling you it was real. In my heart, I had this hideous feeling. It was all related to this Uncle Jerry's family fun zone obsession. I just, I thought Caroline was looking for this place and was going to offer up my brother as some sort of sacrifice. Just saying it sounds so messed up. You probably think I'm yanking your chain. I I mean, this is my wife we're talking about here. This is Caroline. It's fine. You don't sound like you're lying. I wouldn't. Not about this. Did you tell anyone? No. They'd probably think I was the crazy one. The whole thing was insane beyond belief. But I had to know what she was up to, so here's what I did. I told Caroline I'd found directions to Uncle Jerry's, told her they had been folded up in some library book about the town's history or something. I gave her directions to the place, and I told her I'd check it out. But here's the thing. I gave her the wrong directions. What do you mean? I made them up. Wrote down a bunch of gibberish. They led miles outside of town in the opposite direction, and then I followed my directions, the one the old man left me, and they led me right to it. It was real. The Uncle Jerry's place? It was real, man. It made no sense, and then Caroline showed up. With the wrong directions? I'll never forget it. Seeing her car pulled up, she should have been 40 miles away. But here she was, and that's when I knew. There was something wrong about her, something wrong about that old man, something wrong about that place. It was like Caroline was magnetically drawn to it, Uncle Jerry's family fun zone. Like it exists because she believes it exists. I decided at that moment that there were some form of evil forces in the world that I would never understand, never, and Caroline was wrapped up in it. How was the place real? Like I said, it didn't make any sense. Nothing did. We even explored the place for a while, and it was... Christ, it feels like I'm going back there right now. And I never wanted to go back, never. That musty smell, those animals that towered over us, like, it's just... Will, why don't we end this? We can just... No, no, just a little more. There's some things that you should know. I had never seen Caroline so excited. Still haven't. I swear she was bouncing around that place, wanted to explore every inch. She even pulled me into some horrifying corn maze I thought we'd never get out of. And then we found it. We found the place where that kid had disappeared. Caroline pulled open this hatch in this enormous empty ball pit, and we wiggled through this crawl space that dead ended. And then we heard something. Someone else was inside the barn. We heard its footsteps above us. And it was stomping around. I thought maybe it was the old man, because who else would know we were here? Was it the old man? It wasn't. No way. We were huddled up at the end of the crawl space, and my legs were shaking so bad I thought they would spring free from my body. Caroline held them down for me. She, she was so calm, just so fucking calm. The hatch opened, and in the dark I saw this figure kind of lean down. It definitely wasn't the old man. It was too skinny. It couldn't have been a person. It just couldn't have. So we stared at it from across this crawl space, and at one point I turned to look at Caroline, and she was watching this thing with this little grin on her face. And that thing kept right on looking and breathing, and then all of a sudden it kind of sniffed the air, like it was smelling us. And the voice, God, I'll never forget it. It was this voice that was deep and raspy and terrible all at the same time. It said, not young enough. Then it slammed down the hatch and it was gone. We waited a while and when we thought it was safe, we ran back to our cars. Will, if I had thought we'd talk about this, I wouldn't have asked you to do this. I mean it. I never intended it for it to be like this. It's fine. It's just someone needed to know. I'm just glad it's you. If I can ask, and if you don't want to answer, that's totally fine. Why are you with her? Why are you married to Caroline? 
because someone had to marry her and it had to be me. Does that make sense? I, I know what happened at that place. I know that there's evil things in this world that would have grabbed hold of her, but she's better. She never wrote that article, never talked about Uncle Jerry's family fun zone since then. I'm not sure if she even remembers it. Maybe the evil is gone. It could be gone forever, but I'm always waiting for it to come back, and that's why I'll tell you this. But this goes to the grave, yeah? Yeah. She wants to have kids. Caroline wants to have a baby. But it won't be with me. I got a vasectomy years ago, back in college. Actually, I won't give her a baby, not after everything that I know. But now she wants one more than anything. She'll find out. If you guys do fertility, the doctors will find out. I know. What will you do then? I don't know. I don't know. My original hunch about my interview experiment was correct. There was just something about the microphones and tight space that elicits honesty. What I experienced with Caroline and Will was the rarest form of honesty, and honesty I hope to never ever experience again. I wanted to rid myself of the entire situation. Even having the audio files just felt wrong, like I was allowing evil to fester. But then I remembered what Will told me. Someone needs to know. So I spent hours transcribing their interviews, dumped the text file on a USB drive, and tossed it into a box in my closet. I deleted the audio files from my computer, and then I put the microphones and recorders out the curb. It just wasn't worth it. But the purging didn't cure me. I was haunted by Will and Caroline's stories. And it wasn't just the horrific situations they found themselves in as high schoolers. It was the secrets and lies they've lived ever since. Will and Caroline came over for dinner a few weeks after the interviews, and it was like nothing was wrong. We drank, we laughed. I watched Will touch the small of Caroline's back, and Caroline gently caress Will's elbow. It all seemed so frighteningly normal. But I knew what they were living with, and it terrified me. The next day, my doorbell rang. It was Caroline. She left her sweater at my place and was here to pick it up. It was my first time being alone with her since the interview. I was worried she'd bring up Uncle Jerry's family fun zone, wanting to have a baby, or she'd again gently broach the topic of me and her and what could have been, or what could be. I just wasn't sure. I retrieved her sweater from the kitchen and walked her to the front door. I tried to read what was going on between her eyes, and I looked for a flicker of that evil that Will said grabbed hold of her all that years ago. I didn't see it. I just saw a lonely, sad woman who wanted more out of life than what she was given. We reached the front door, and Caroline looked over towards my living room. Tyler lay nestled into the cushions, lost in the pages of a fantasy book. Caroline smiled longingly at my boy and said to no one in particular, Not young enough. Oh! I like that! That's good. I told you I was holding on to that one yeah, for you for, for a long time, yeah. man. F- uh, fucking lying about, like, I gave her the wrong directions. You're like, what the fuck? How is she there? But she's there. Because she's evil. Yeah, I fucking loved Good that. Stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> and I loved that I, re- I, I didn't lose the voices as much as I thought I was going to because that was a long fucking conversation, I man. I was literally like, he, he's not going to do it. Oh like, no, no, after right. after you try. called me out, I was like, I'm gonna fucking oh, do fucking it. Gonna do it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking this hold on to this. I'm gonna hold on to this fucking accent. Oh man, I think that that was long enough for both of us. I think we could get into the You wanna go back to search and rescue stories, right? Oh, uh, let's do it. We still got we still got a bunch, I think. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, we are we are digressing. Uh near the end of this episode, uh we're gonna we're gonna break into some search and rescue stories from the US Forest Service, like we usually do on the Django Phillips oh, episodes. Yeah. We're uh we're hitting it, we're coming back. I'm gonna let you start with uh this first one is just a series. Of the missing person calls I've gone out on, only a handful have ever resulted in a complete disappearance, meaning no trace of the person and no body ever found. But sometimes finding a body just leads to more questions than answered. Here are some of the bodies we found that have become infamous in our team. A teenage boy whose remains were recovered almost a year after he vanished. We found the top of his skull, two finger bones, and his camera almost 40 miles from where he was last seen. The camera sadly was destroyed. The pelvis of an older man who had vanished a month earlier, that was all we found. The lower jaw on the right foot of a two-year-old boy on the highest peak of a ridge in the southern part of the park. 
the body of a 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome, almost 20 miles from where she vanished. She died of exposure three weeks after going missing, and all of her clothes were intact except her shoes and her jacket. There were berries and cooked meat in her stomach when they did the autopsy. The coroner said it appeared as if someone had been taking care of her. There were no suspects ever identified. The frozen body of a one-year-old baby found a week after vanishing in the hollow trunk of a tree 10 miles from the area he was seen last. There was fresh milk found in his stomach, but his tongue was gone. A single vertebra and right kneecap of a three-year-old girl found in the snow almost 20 miles from the campground her family had been at the previous summer. There, there were two things I thought as you were reading that. Yeah. The first one was there was fresh milk found in his stomach, but his tongue was gone. He's not going to make for a good consultant for milk review. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Number one. <laughs> that kid's out. He's out. Dead body of the one-year-old baby out. I was going to call <laughs> no him. No more. I was going to call him tomorrow. We can't call him anymore. And be like, are you ready to come on the show? Obviously not. Nope. Not experienced Howdy. enough. Get the fuck so, out of here. So, uh, second thing I thought was... We're just nailing it with like the kids going missing stuff today, or the bad stuff happening to One kids year old today. Baby. Like two year old baby. No, I just mean like we started with Slenderman. Yeah. We went with Uncle Jerry, and now like search and rescue stories. Like it's been a while since we've read these. Still fucking potent. Yeah. Our death toll right now is at like seventeen children, and like zero adults, and and one marriage. If we can count that. And one Vaz Deverins. One ball situation. No, no, no. We're de- no. I don't think anything happens to the balls. It's literally from between the balls. It's the, it's the, it's the tube. They just kink. Yeah, the, the, but the balls the, are intact. Yeah, the balls are intact. They don't take your balls. You're not a dog. <laughs> Neutered. This is the second. Uh, the, what log are we even on? I think this is. I think that was like thirteen or fourteen. I, I'm. I. I write it down. I don't actually know what's going on right it's now. Sixty-six. No, it's not. That number's wrong. It's a hundred. This is. Uh, Continuation. My buddy has been a search and rescue officer for about seven years. He started when he was a junior in college, and he had a very similar experience when he first encountered the stairs. His trainer told him almost the same thing mine did, which was to never go near, touch, or ascend them, or feed them after midnight. For the first year, he did just that, but apparently his curiosity got the better of him, and no one. And on one call, he broke away from the line and went to go check a set of them out. He said that they were about 10 miles from the path where a teenage girl had vanished and the dogs were following a scent. He was on his own, lagging behind the main group when he saw a set of stairs off to his left. They looked like they were from a new house because the carpeting was pristine and white. He said that as he got closer, he didn't feel any different or hear any weird noises. He was expecting something to happen like bleeding from his ears or collapsing, but he got right up next to them and didn't feel anything. The only thing he said that was odd was that there was absolutely no debris on the steps, no dirt, leaves, dust, anything. And there didn't appear to be any signs of animal or insect activity in the immediate area, which he found strange. It was less strange, like things were avoiding them, and more like they just happened to be in a relatively barren part of the forest. He touched the stairs and didn't feel anything except that sort of sticky feeling you get from a new carpet. Making sure his radio was on, he slowly climbed the stairs. He said it was terrifying because the way they'd been stigmatized, he wasn't really sure what was going to happen to him. He joked that half of him expected to be teleported to some other dimension and the other half was watching for a UFO to come swooping down. But he got to the top with little event, and he stood there just looking around. But he said the longer he stood on the top step, the more he felt like he was doing something very, very wrong. He described it as the feeling you get if you were in a part of government building you had no business being in, as if someone was going to come and arrest you or shoot you in the back of the head at any second. He tried to brush it off, but the feeling got stronger and stronger, and that's when he realized that he couldn't hear anything anymore. The sounds of the forest were gone, and he couldn't hear his own breathing. It was like some kind of weird, awful tinnitus, but more oppressive. He climbed back down and rejoined the search and didn't mention what he'd done, but he said the weirdest part came after. 
His trainer was waiting back at the welcome center after the search ended for the day, and he cornered my buddy before he could leave. He said his trainer had this look of intense anger, and he asked them what was wrong. You went up them, didn't you? My buddy said it wasn't phrased as a question. He asked how his trainer knew. The trainer just shook his head. Because we didn't find her. The dogs lost her scent. My buddy asked what that had to do with anything. The trainer asked how long he'd been on the stairs, and my buddy said no more than a minute. The trainer gave him this really awful, almost dead-eyed look, and told him that if he ever went up another set of stairs again, he'd be fired. Immediately, the trainer walked away, and I guess he never asked any questions, and he never answered any of the questions my buddy had asked him since. Okay, I have questions. Yeah, me too. What? What? I don't know what touching the stairs nullifies the search for, but it's an interesting concept. So, like, yeah. No, it's interesting. What's the, what is the mechanism? He, like, goes up No, I don't know. A physical contact. I think that's why they say don't go near him. Don't yeah, touch him. Yeah, but, like, he, he's touching the stairs. He goes up the stairs or he touches the stairs. It might be a sense memory thing that, like, gets erased if, you know, the last person who touched it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they're hiding what from us. The stories continue. They get. They talk about the stairs more. We're gonna find out more about them. I really have no Why are there fucking. Stairs in the woods. I have no fucking clue. Don't you remember from like the first fucking episode? We're having a big old <laughs> stair sale here in the woods. Come on down. Come and get your stairs. So 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 stairs. I have one question. Yeah. What's up? It's about the stairs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why how, are there stairs how about you read? Once? How about you read the next fucking story? And maybe, uh, maybe fine. we can fucking find out. Fine. The little boy vanished from a picnic area in the late fall. In addition to the mental disability, he was also physically handicapped, and his parents explained over and over that he simply could not have vanished. It was impossible. Someone had to have taken him. My buddy said they searched for this kid for weeks, going miles out of the accepted range. But it was like he'd never been there. The dogs couldn't pick up a scent anywhere, not even in the picnic area where he'd apparently vanished from. Suspicion fell on the parents, but it was pretty clear they were devastated and they hadn't done anything sinister to their kid. This is great. This is a great episode. What are we going to call this? Is this still going to be the episode of the Beast, or is this going to be... Fuck kids! It's fuck kids. It's at this point, it's a Fuck kids, in parentheses, episode of the Beast. 666 episode of the Beast. For real, though, question mark? Fuck kids. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's what this episode's called. We we have not covered this many fuck kids, fuck babies episode in a long time. So many fucking kids. All the adults so far, fine. Kids, fuck kids. Tonight's been a real been a real treat. If guys. you're a kid and you're listening, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna take it there, but I but I jumped on that bandwagon as fast as possible. <laughs> also hi. <clears throat> the search was concluded about a month later, and my buddy said everyone had pretty much forgotten it by later in the winter. He was out on a training op in the snow on one of the higher peaks when he came across something in the snow. He said he saw it from far away at first, and when he got closer, he realized it was a shirt, frozen and sticking partway out of the powder. He recognized it as belonging to the kid because it had a distinctive pattern. A- about 20 yards away, he found the kid's body, laying partially buried in the snow. My buddy said there was no way the kid had been dead for any more than a few days, even though he'd been missing for almost three months. The kid was curled around something, and when my buddy brushed off the snow to see what it was, he said he almost couldn't believe what he was seeing. It was a big chunk of ice that had been carved crudely to sort of look like a person. The kid was holding it so tight that it had frostbitten his chest and his hands, which my buddy could tell even with the decay that had taken place. He radioed the rest of the crew and they took the body off the mountain. Now, he recapped all this for me, and to put it simply, there was no way this kid could have both survived for almost three months on his own, or have gotten to this peak. There was no physical way this child could have walked almost 50 miles and ended up on the top of a goddamn mountain. To top it off, there was nothing in the kid's stomach or colon. Nothing. Not even water. Checked it myself. (laughs) At least I couldn't feel anything. My dick. (laughs) Because I fuck kids. Captain Death went there. I just want to. I just want to say that Captain Death went there. Well, you said it first. Yeah, we, you know. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an accomplice. It was like my buddy said. The kid had been taken off the face of the earth. 
put in suspended animation, and dropped on this mountain months later, only to die of exposure. He's never really gotten over that one. Fucking awesome. Iceman. Fucking awesome. Iceman. I think it was... <laughs> Hello, kid. Do you have I'm dying. Is, de- is, is death hard? Check your colon. Does it, is, is it is it like falling asleep? It's exactly like falling asleep. But you're just Check. nice. I don't... If you have comfort me, if you have a full colon, you go to hell. All right, I'm just gonna die now. No, 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 no. Make sure your colon's clear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God damn, we're going to hell <laughs> on this episode of the Beast. This is gonna be the last story, uh, last of the, I believe, single narrative. He goes off into spin-off narratives be after this one. Stairs in the story. The single, the, yeah, I realized already that one of the many spin-off narratives, because there are like five, um, one of them goes back into the stairs. Over, yeah, I over, want those stairs over a dinner conversation Death, or something. Mister Captain. They were out doing a recon for mountain lions because there had been several reports of sightings in the last couple of days. One of our jobs is to scout out the areas where these animals are seen to ensure that if they are in the area, we can warn people and close off those trails. He was out on his own in a very heavily forested part of the park towards dusk when he heard what sounded like a woman screaming in the distance. Now, as most of you know, when a mountain lion screams, it sounds almost exactly like a woman being brutally murdered. No, I don't know. No, that. not most of us know. Sounds that. great, though. Not, not going to haunt my dreams. Percent of the population fucking knows that mountain lion fact. Mm-hmm. Now we, now we, now we do. Now we do, and we will be better because of it. It's unsettling, but far from abnormal. I, I would say it's a little abnormal. My buddy radioed back and let ops know that he'd heard one. He was going to keep going to see if he could figure out where its territory started. He heard the mountain lion scream a couple more times, always from the same spot, and determined the approximate area of the mountain lion's territory. He was about to head back when he heard another scream, this time within only a few yards of him. Of course, he freaks out and starts heading back at, much, at a much faster pace, because the last thing he wants to do is run into a goddamn mountain lion and get mauled to death. As he got back onto the path and started heading back, the screaming followed him and he broke into a jog. When he was about a mile from Ops, the screaming stopped and he turned around to see if it was following him. Never a good idea. No. It was almost night by this point, but he said in the distance, just before the path rounded a corner, he could see what looked like a male figure. He called out to them, warning them that the paths were closed and that he needed to come back to the welcome center. The figure just stood there. My buddy started to walk over. When he was about 10 yards away, the figure took as what he described an an impossibly long step toward him and let out the same scream my buddy had been hearing. My buddy didn't even say anything. He just turned and sprinted back to Ops and everyone could find him. By the time he got back, the screaming had moved back into the woods. He didn't mention it to anyone just said that there was a mountain lion in the area and that they would need to close those paths until the animal could be located and moved. I'm going to level with you. I know I know a bunch of guys and their names are Terry the Tickler and <laughs> a bunch of baby ducks. In episode fucking 15, they do nothing but make those fucking noises the entire episode. And I know for a fact that they can take some long strides. So this story is entirely logical to me. It was just a fuckhead trolling a a dude in the woods. Because let me tell you one thing. Terry the Tickler and a bunch of baby ducks are fucking fuckheads. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love you. Verified. Best friends forever. (laughs) So how'd you you feel about this episode? We fucking took on a fucking buttload of shit today. You know? I really feel like the pasta was delicious, um, and it was not safe for kids. It was some vodka pasta. It was vodka, was you know, yeah, pasta. the adult pastas. Yeah, it was good though. <laughs> anything, anything else you want to? Yeah, Alyssa Milano, if you're listening to this podcast, I didn't mean what was in the email, and I don't want your legal team to contact me. 
find out next time on Lots of Pasta. <laughs> We're like our own Dragon Ball Z or something now. That's good. That's good. I like that. I miss your balls. <laughs> <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> no, that's what I said. I, I said that to her. That was the same. I Fuck it, I'm ending the, I'm ending the episode. That's what we're ending. We're ending. Two to the one, from the one to the three. I like good pussy and I like good trees. Smoke so much weed, she wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat. Three to the one, from the one to the three. I met a bad bitch last night in the D. Let me tell you how I'm gonna leave with me. Conversation and